In Romans 10.4, the Apostle Paul declares that Christ is the telos of the law unto righteousness for the one who is believing. This statement, as much elsewhere in Paul and in Romans, is in the words of 2 Peter 3.16, hard to understand. Its meaning is thereby disputed. I'm looking at Dr. Gavinta, who's writing a major commentary on Romans right now. It has been disputed until we get the final word forthcoming. (laughs) By writing that Christ is the telos namu, is Paul claiming that Torah has reached its terminus in Christ? Is he maintaining that the law has come to culmination, found fulfillment, reached its goal, and achieved its aim in Christ? Or perhaps... Do we encounter in this succinct statement, telos namu Christos, a double entendre wherein Paul is simultaneously, if obliquely, maintaining that Christ is both the end and the aim of the law? Whatever the apostle's aim is in Romans 10.4, the term end in the title of my address this morning is, in fact, meant to connote termination as well as intent. Would that Paul had been this clear when composing Romans 10.4. Had he been the one described by the acts of Paul and Thecla as having very little hair would have saved some of mine. (laughs) But never mind. At the outset of my remarks on this happy occasion, I would like to address whether or not formal theological education or scholarly seminary study, is coming to the inglorious end that some predict. I would then like to turn the subject I am pursuing in another direction by posing this question. As long as ministerial training in academic contexts persists, what ought to be its aim, the proverbial end game? Certain pundits prognosticate that the day for formal theological education is far spent, and that its demise lay close to hand, if not right around the chronological corner. I regard this pessimistic prediction to be highly unlikely. To borrow and then reappropriate a remark from Mark Twain, the reports of the death of scholarly seminary study are greatly exaggerated. (laughs) As long as there are institutions and individuals willing to support it, and churches and would-be students willing and able to access it, then theological education will most certainly survive. Whether it will thrive, however, is a horse of a different color. To be sure, the delivery of and the context for such study will differ in the future, even as it does in the present. In the future, theological education will be residential and virtual, local and global, denominational and interdenominational. It will be had in venerable educational institutions like our own, in collaboration with would-be competitors, in off-campus extensions, and in varied congregational settings. I gather that the strongest seminaries, both in impact and along lines financial, will be a goodly mixture of all of the above. What is more, 
impactful seminaries will not only be collegial and entrepreneurial in spirit, they will be unequivocal in their commitment to excellence in both the church and in the academy. Should Jesus tarry then, there will be seminaries in one form or another to God to train God-called ministers for Christ's church. I trust that Baylor's Truett Seminary will be found faithful and fruitful, to borrow a phrase from Paul, until he comes. One can imagine that the tender 25 years of Truett's existence thus far will, over time, be but a drop in a rather large bucket. If there is then indeed a future for formal theological education and serious seminary study, and the 96 God-called students that comprise our entering class this fall strongly suggests that there is, one can but hope that it will be increasingly with and in concert and service to the church, as Dr. Wiles has so eloquently and passionately employed. Might the haughtiness and even hatefulness, the distrust and even disgust that has sometimes marked and marred relations between theological educational institutions and their ecclesial partners vanish like a morning fog and be rolled up like a scroll. At Truett Seminary, what is true of our beloved university writ large should be no less true of us. Indeed, it should be all the more true of us. We are to be pro-ecclesia and pro-Texana or Texana (laughs) or whatever he said. (laughs) Baylor Stewart Seminary is to be of and by and for the church. Were the fateful day to come when this were no longer the case, then we would lose our lease on life, not to mention the reason for our existence. What is more, it is in concert with the church that our seminary community can best serve God's beautiful, if bruised and broken, world. To illustrate the kind of partnership and reciprocity that I have in mind, allow me to share with you a few lines from an email that I received yesterday morning from Kirk Hatcher, Minister of Spiritual Formation at the First Baptist Church of Norman. I understand they have a university there. (laughs) I do so with his permission. Kirk writes, Todd, I know you are aware of how important these days are, but I just wanted you to know that some of us in the churches across the country also know And remember how crucial these first few days can be for any educational institution. And we are praying for a smooth beginning to another semester at Truett. I've talked with a few of our Norman students who are loving it. It's such a relief for those of us who can't be there. Faculty and staff colleagues, ours is a sacred trust. And for those of us who are instructors, we labor under the Jacobean admonition, let not many of you become teachers. 
for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. To whom much is given, much is required. Pro ecclesia, pro texana, pro futuris. In May of 2012, the Baylor University Board of Regents adopted Pro Futurus' strategic vision for our storied institution as we launch into the 21st century. Increasingly and intentionally, this vision is being implemented across our university, not least in the College of Arts and Science, with its remarkably ambitious aspire. How might Pro Futurus, vivified by a commitment to transformational education, compelling scholarship, informed engagement, committed constituents, and judicious stewardship help to guide Truett Seminary into her future. This is not the time, nor do I have the time, to place before us this morning a long-range strategic plan for our seminary community, which I am more and more inclined to call Truett 2020. I hope to do so as early as the Friends of Truett dinner in November at the annual gathering of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, and for some inexplicable reason, Frisco, Texas. <laughs> Where we don't even have enough room to have a Friends of Truett dinner, but I'll talk to David later. <laughs> Allow me here, however, to state my broad and bold dream for Baylor's Truett Seminary, namely, that we would increasingly become a keystone institution for Baptists, as well as a premier destination seminary that is biblical and Christological in focus, evangelical and communal in ethos, and ecumenical and missional in outlook. I trust that this statement, if it is a vision statement, is both clear and comprehensive. On the one hand, it is my steadfast hope that Truett Seminary will continue to embrace and to bear, pun intended, Baylor's historic Baptist identity, not least in cooperation with our beloved friends at the Baptist General Convention of Texas. By the way, if you want to look at the giving ledger of Truett Seminary's history, there is one who stands head above heels regarding giving above all the rest. Their initials would be BGCT. That being said, our reach needs to continue to extend beyond the borders of the Lone Star State. For some of those who are now transplanted into Texas, you might want to offer a hearty amen. <laughs> For in Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north. Our habit of mind must be universal, not provincial, humble, not haughty, and hungry not ho-hum. Business as usual can never be the order of our day. All the while, we must keep our theological bearings and moorings. We should continue to commit ourselves not only to bedrock Baptist beliefs of biblical authority, soul competency, religious liberty, autonomy of the local assembly, and the priesthood of all believers. Did I get them all, Dr. Lefevre? <laughs> but also to what C.S. Lewis described as the deep church. We do well to join hands with mere Christians and to dedicate ourselves to incarnating and espousing a divine mercy that is deep and wide. 
far more than smooth-sounding rhetoric carefully crafted for an occasion like this. I strongly believe that if we are to reach our telos, then such things ought to be our aim. Far more than a starry-eyed upstart dean, then, the vision that I am placing before us is in keeping with that which the founders of Baylor entrusted to us. A university susceptible to enlargement and development to meet the needs of all of the ages to come. Our vision must be big and bold because the needs of both the world and the church are profound and pressing. Furthermore, as we move forward together in our 25th year as a seminary, let us not only aim to be a keystone institution for Baptists and a premier destination seminary for all who've been grasped by God to bear Christ's name and to herald the gospel to a fallen, fractured world, but let us also recall together that a grand yet chastened vision for theological education requires of us not simply information, but also formation. Baylor's Truett Seminary is a place which teaches students about Abraham and Elijah, Amos and Isaiah, Jesus and Paul, Peter and James, Tertullian, that's for you, Dr. Wilhite, and Augustine. Anselm and Aquinas, Luther and Calvin, that's for you, Dr. Brewer, Zwingli and Wesley, Smith and Helwes, Bart, that's for you, Dr. Bender, and Bonhoeffer, Niebuhr and Tillich, Beekner and Foster, Star, Stott and Wright, and the list could go on. Additionally, those who matriculate at Truett Seminary are taught to read the Bible carefully, to think theologically, to pray continually to preach winsomely, to share the gospel personally, to minister compassionately, to lead courageously, to administer effectively, and yes, to live obediently. But beyond the facts, skills, and disciplines that lend competence to calling, that's the way to view what we're about. It's the bridge between calling and competence that we may never lose sight of Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter. Even as Paul's magisterial letter to the Romans has been described as the Christian's constitution, his fiery missive to the Galatians has been depicted as the believer's Magna Carta. In Galatians, which the Apostle Paul wrote some years earlier than Romans, how many will need Dr. Gavinta to tell us, Paul maintains in this letter that he is again in birth pangs for the Galatian congregation until Christ's image and likeness is more fully formed in them. If we are to be more fully formed into Christ, then we will need to understand more fully the one whom Paul had come to know. The Jewish apostle to the Gentiles writes the following in Galatians 2.20. In Christ I have been crucified. Now I no longer live, but in me Christ lives. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in, or perhaps the faithfulness of, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In order for us to attain that for which we aspire, 
as Christ followers, as Christian ministers, and as Baylor's Truett Seminary. We must reach our end by realizing afresh that little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. What is true of this school year, our 25th anniversary year, and my first year as dean is no less true of our lives in Christ. In another time and under different circumstances, Sir Winston Churchill put it this way. Now, this is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end. But it is, perhaps, the end of the beginning. Thankfully, at our beginnings and our ends, stands with outstretched arms the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the telos and the terminos, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.